Hey, good morning, church. Uh, we want to welcome you to our service today. Thank you for, for joining in and to being a part of this today. And we are excited for today because we kick off a new series. Uh, and this new series is called The Art of Neighboring. And in times like we're, we're living in right now, we've been around our neighbors probably more than what we have been before. And it's been fun to hear different stories that have come out of, of getting to know who your neighbors are because we're, we're home more. And so this series is going to be great in walking us through how to neighbor well, how to build those relationships, um, how to love on them, and just super excited as we walk through this together as a church. One of the best ways that you can participate is through our home groups. Home groups are a great place for you to get to know other families in our church, to worship the Lord together, to pray together, um, to celebrate how God is working in our lives together. And if you want more information, you can head over to our webpage to host or to join. Yeah, and another interactive piece that we have that I think is going to be pretty cool um, is we're inviting you to send in a picture. All right, a, a picture of you and your family in front of your house, in your neighborhood there, um, on how you do life um, and how you do worship. Um, it's just a way for us to be able to, to check in, be able to see each other. Um, so send them into any of our social media platforms or also you can email our communications director, Anna, um, and she will get them that way. So we invite you to join in by engaging that way. So send us in a photo of you and your house. And if you're new here at Mannheim BIC, we really want to welcome you well. What you can do is head over to the I'm New tab and introduce yourself using a connect form. And we'll get you more information about our church family and our community and how to get involved. Yeah. And so again, welcome. Thank you. And at this time, uh, join us as we worship through song.
God loved the world, he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him.
love your neighbor as yourself. our hearts with reverence and awe towards you as we continue to worship through listening to what you have to speak to us today. We love you, Jesus. Hey, Pastor Dustin, um, and we wanted to do a video segment each Sunday, uh, just capturing a couple ideas around neighboring, um, just thinking through the art of it, uh, what we do, how we connect with others. And so this morning I'm hanging out with Dean. So go ahead, Dean, take it away, introduce yourself. Yeah, this is, uh, I'm Dean Ziegler and my wife, Carol. We've lived here at 112 Fairland Road, Lidditz. Um I lived here, well, I was, my parents bought it when I was six years old, the property, and then I grew up here, and we moved away with my dad's work, and after we were married, uh, we moved back here and eventually bought the property from my dad, and this is where we've been and raised our family. So you have a catering business, Dean. Uh, some of us know you for having some great pork barbecue. Um, how has food um, been a tool and instrument as you connect with your neighbors? Um, it's interesting. We're, we're in the catering, as you said, and um, different times we'll do meals and we'll have extra or leftovers. And with some of the older people living here in the neighborhood, we'll often dish some stuff up and that's kind of our, I guess you'd say our mission project. So during this time of being um, not in church buildings, people are doing church in their homes, they're doing it in their neighborhoods. Uh, I wanted you just to, to let us know uh, an example of how you all have been doing neighborhood church throughout the years. So give us that story real quick. Um, we had started, in fact, our son had started an Easter sunrise service uh, when in high school, a group of guys had got together here. Uh, I remember that first year, uh, one of the guys brought his guitar and it was so cold out, he could hardly strum it. It was quite interesting. It might've been 10 of us, mostly the young guys. But uh, from there on, he moved on to college and we as a family and friends start doing an Easter sunrise here and we opened it up to the, the neighbors and as many as have you been here, uh, you know that we had some decent crowds. Neighbors, it was interesting, different the neighbors would ask if we're doing it again and they would always, if they came, they always brought something of a breakfast food. They wonder why by helping out breakfast food or uh, helping to park. And there again, uh, we have a lot of Amish neighbors and they are great for, for communities to support as many of you know. And they left us use the field to park in and um, 
they were right there in the midst of the service. And of course, this year, circumstances, the virus, uh, we didn't have it. Uh, but saying that, uh, a couple of the neighbors, the Amish neighbors, asked if they could come and sit in our backyards to watch the sunrise. And I'm like, yeah, that's where we're going to be. And we've had, we had another couple call and wondered if it's okay. And so we had a, a small group just sat there and uh, just had a good time of fellowship. It still was the same meaning. And I, yeah, you, you just felt God there. It was, uh, and I'm, I'm hoping to do it some more, but maybe in a different way. Hey, good morning, church family. It is great to be here on a Sunday morning together. I'm so glad. I hope you're comfortable. Uh, but right off the bat, I just wanted to, to share from my heart real quick on uh, this whole season we're in uh, right now. And just to, to, to focus in on something that uh, on my heart this morning, uh, again, is those that are, that are really struggling uh, with the virus. Anybody in our community uh, that has their, their family's been hit by it. Uh, or family members right now and, uh, or under quarantine, um, other people and I, I know in our community that have lost loved ones. So we just want to continue to pray for one another and, and for our community uh, and those that are going through it. Just keep that in your mind and your prayers. And I just wanted to, to just bring that up again um, because uh, that's, that's part of our calling uh, is to, to be standing in the gap for people that are hurting. And uh, so as we get into it also, I just wanted to say to, to you, uh, I know that uh, you might have been wondering, like, are we getting back together? I just wanted to say real quick, no, not right now. We are doing this right now, but we are planning and we are working hard to figure out what that looks like when we do. And, uh, and I can tell you we are working really hard to make it, make it happen uh, when it's the right time for us. And so uh, thank you for your support and continue to pray for us as we plan for that and what it looks like. But um, we do have something coming up I did want to tell you about, and that is uh, on Sunday the 31st, we're going to celebrate 110 years for Mannheim Brethren in Christ worshiping together. 110 years ago, uh, some faithful people uh, got together and worshiped for the first time as Mannheim Brethren in Christ. And so we want to celebrate that together as a family with a drive-through uh, station here where you can pick up donuts and coffee, uh, maybe before the service or after the service that you do online. Um, but yeah, here uh, we'll have myself and others will be handing out coffee uh, and donuts and maybe something snack as you drive through our carport and we'll be able to say hey and uh, and you can drive onto campus even just for a little bit. Uh, that is on May 31st and uh, I get excited about seeing you all and meeting you all so that'll be fun and I hope to see you there. Um, otherwise uh, hang in if you're comfy you got on your couch we're going to get into the word together right now and kick off our new series called Art of Neighboring. Uh, the Art of Neighboring is this series. You would have got a postcard in the mail, hopefully. If you didn't, uh, let us know. We'll be able to mail you one. You can message us here, email us, and we'll get one out to you, or we can organize you uh, being able to pick one up here from, from the office. So we would love to do that, love to get you a postcard, which we'll go through uh, and show you each week uh, what we're going to be doing week by week, and a little activity on the back of that card. It should look a little bit something like 
this in your in your mail slot. So hopefully you got that. And we're going to be going uh, this morning, kicking it off in week one. We wanted to tackle this and we'll be kind of coming back to this as we go. And uh, the question is, church, what if we took these commands and the words in the text seriously? Love your neighbor. What if? What if is that? I love to dream about what if. What if? Right. And you might not be uh, thinking where I'm thinking, but what if, man, what if we did that? I think it would change a lot. The uh, series is called Art of Neighboring uh, because we're going to talk about what it is to be a neighbor. We're also going to look at uh, this word art because just for a second, um, because I think it's it's well placed as the series word. Um, that it is because when we learn from Christ and we model after him, we follow Christ, um, there's some things that we can learn that are step by step, that are ordered, that you learn in linear form. And there's some things, though, that are like art. Um, if you learn from an artist and back in the days when you would do apprenticeships for that, uh, I have learned this just by looking it up. I'm not an artist. My wife is the artist of the family. But learn that art is learned this way from observation and learning techniques. And there are certain things you do. And so you, you learn the technique by watching and observing and doing and repeating and repeating until you get it right. And when you would be an apprentice, uh, these really good apprentices uh, would get so good that you couldn't tell uh, who was the apprentice's work and who was that actual artist's work when you would look at them side by side because they would mimic and copy uh, the technique so, uh, so well and they would be, become like their uh, a true apprentice. And so when I think about this art form of neighboring and loving your neighbor, I think of Christ and what he did when he walked this earth and the way that he loved others. And we're going to drill into that today and what that looks like, uh, loving our neighbor. And uh, this morning, I wanted to kick off and, and, and think about uh, Jesus, uh, because he's the one we're, we're following, uh, how he purposed himself around this. And uh, when he started ministry, we actually get this snapshot of him uh, launching into ministry and purposing himself on something. And so I wanted to go there in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, go there in your text. I got here, open in Luke, got your Bible with you. Everybody ready? Okay, cool. Cool. All right. Luke chapter four. And it reads like this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Awesome, awesome piece of scripture here is Jesus coming out of the desert and he has that trying time and he's tempted and then he comes out and then he goes in and he reads this scripture of Isaiah in the synagogue to those that are listening, declaring and proclaiming himself. This is why I'm here. He frames, this is why I'm here. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. Why the poor? Why the poor? Well, the poor is, uh, you could read, the marginalized, the, the, the poor, those who need, right? Those who are desperate and looking. That word poor, poor actually could be translated to, to any one of those things. The meaning of it is that. And if I think about it and if we look at that, that is really Jesus talking about us, 
right? Spiritually, we are in need. We were poor, and, and Paul even writes that we were dead in our sin, and yet Christ died, right? So we were desperately in need, and we were looking. If we're hungry, he says, if you ask, you will receive. He comes for those who are looking, those who are hungry. And so Jesus is really describing that this is why I'm here. I'm coming for you and me, right? <clears throat> and he narrows down who he's coming for. He has sent me to proclaim. Proclaim means to carry, to have out in front, unashamedly put out there. This is, this is happening. Uh, and we, we're talking about the good news. So when you would hear... Uh, you know, somebody saying something about uh, something they're proud of, they normally say it very loud and very clear. You know, if they're an Eagles fan, and I uh, am tr trying to become one, I'm sort of, um, but I hear people shout and, and proclaim, like, yeah, go Eagles. And I'm like, yay, go Eagles. I, I, you know, I'm sure they're great, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know them. But if you're very proud about it, you're normally very loud about it. So proclaiming is that. It's that I'm proud and I want to be uh, declaring it. And that what's, what he's declaring is that he has liberty, freedom to offer. Freedom. And that is his purpose. He came for those in need, right? And he proclaims that he's here to help. And those in need, what he has on offer is freedom freedom. That's really, really cool because for many who experience freedom after not knowing it for a long time often have to relearn how to do life because all they know is to be in captivity. Captivity is a, is a good at its job. Its job of crushing and robbing people's hope and will to live. So good that long-term facilities have to go the extra lengths to keep their inmates alive because it's designed to strip you of any feeling of freedom. But it's what Jesus came to give us and what he would love for us to experience and share with others. It has been the most repetitive theme for me of prayer that I have been going on during this season that God would bring freedom to those that feel stripped of their hope, those that have felt captive and so this word, this uh, neighboring, this what Jesus has given to us is for now, church. It's for right now. Jesus modeled this part of art, the art of neighboring right out of the gate. He, he came out and said, hey, um, let me just clarify, clarify why I am here. And he reads uh, that I'm not here out of my own agenda. He reads from Isaiah, right? He reads his father's thing. And, and five chapters later, we find uh, Jesus in this room uh, with these lawgivers and these, uh, these men who, uh, you know, want to ask him all these questions. And one of them being this uh, young lawyer or this expert in the law. We're in uh, Luke chapter 10, and we're about to read this, uh, Luke chapter 10. And so turn there with me in verse 29. I want to back up and just get the context here. But uh, this is a passage maybe you've heard before. But one day an expert in religious law stood up to, to test Jesus by asking the question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? This is verse 25. We're going to get to verse 29 in a second. Uh, Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? So he was looking to trip uh, Jesus up and trying to uh, kind of bring him into a debate. And Jesus puts it back to him so, so generously. Uh, 
what does the law of Moses say? Seeing as though he was a master of the law or an expert in the law, he should know. And so he does, but he repeats back the Shema, which we talked about weeks ago, which was love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he added in Leviticus, which is what Jesus had already done, which was to say, and love your neighbor as yourself. These two, these two laws that, that uh, if we do, he's saying, uh, this is how I would have eternal life, right? The man answered after Jesus said that, that you must love the Lord your God, the Shema. Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus. And this is where we pick up together. Let's read this together. Desiring to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? I think the disciples were thinking at this point right here that they were ready to go home early. Uh, we we're going to have an early bedtime tonight. And, and we, Jesus just stumped this guy and he sat down and, and, and we're all good. Everybody felt the tension in the ear and Jesus responded so powerfully. This guy was like, he was going to sit down. But he's a little bit like Peter. He's got foot and mouth disease, right? He puts his foot in his mouth too often. And so this young, young man uh, in, in his uh, exact aspiration maybe stood up to justify himself uh, like I know I've done many times um, not thinking about it and Jesus replied with this powerful story that we all know but hear it Jesus replied a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed leaving him half dead now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he sat him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And he said, The one who showed mercy or showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. This uh, story, the Good Samaritan, a story that believers, non-believers, most of the world knows. It's used as a phrase, right? It's used as something that people understand kind of uh, is just known as uh, what it means to do right, as kind of the best side of a person uh, is in this Good Samaritan, that he crosses these cultural boundaries and lines and he, he does what maybe others wouldn't do, but he goes the extra mile for somebody and helps and loves and cares. And we lean into that, but it's really a story of contrast and, and really two decisions that are made here. And one is following the, 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 these Levites and, and these people who would seemingly should be doing right by them and a Samaritan whom all the people in that room would have said shouldn't be doing this nice thing because they're not, they're the scum. They're not supposed to be doing nice things. 
And so we're in this story and Jesus kind of probingly and maybe gestfully, probably not. He was doing this to, to, to get them all stirred up, I believe. He said this, by chance, by chance, the Levite came down the road. It's not by chance. And everybody there in that room that, that Jesus is talking to knows the Levite's not walking down the road by chance. Chance was not something that any of them were, were thinking a Levite is walking down the road. If you're the Levite, you know that God is sovereign. God is good. God is uh, all-knowing. And, and he puts you in a place for a reason. And so Jesus says, by chance, he's walking down the road. No, 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 no. Jesus was digging at them and, and, and getting them involved in the stories. Jesus is just a genius, right? Let's just stop and say, like, yo, Jesus, you're amazing, right? And Acts 17 and other verses along uh, talk about this, that, that, that our days are numbered and ordered, uh, and, and God knows, and he puts us in a position, in a place for a specific reason. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. So there's no chance or by chance. His sovereignty is at work. And so he's stirring up in this encounter with these people and, and kind of prodding and saying, hey, uh, what if he's just there by chance? I would say it like this right here, right now, that uh, this is a message for us in this first little piece of this story. Where we are right now is not by chance. And I said this when we, we did the uh, you know, scattered and sent zip code, that we are in this zip code. Somebody around us is hungry, waiting for hope. Somebody in our zip code waiting for uh, eternal hope that we have, that gift. And, and so the, coming back to that right now, God has you right where you are meant to be. It's not by chance. <clears throat> this is, to me, one of the, the greatest parts of what has happened during this season. Is that right now in the, we're in the best place that we can to bring the gospel to those that are meant to hear the gospel right now, into our neighborhood, because our church bubble, our cocoon, we're, we're here, we were, I wasn't, but you were, I just started here, and this is all I know, but, uh, uh, you know, all, all joking aside, this, this whole, like, bubble thing's popped, it's, it's gone, the cocoon, for now, for right now, it's not done, but for right now, it's popped, Why? What is God saying right now in this season to you? Who has God got you next to right now more than ever before? Maybe, I don't know, in this season you've been saying, God, this stay-at-home order would be awesome if I didn't have to live with... No, we won't go there. Uh, maybe back up. Okay, so this stay-at-home order would be awesome if I didn't have to have that neighbor. If only my neighbor was like Michael Jordan or, or someone else. I don't know. Have you been there? Have you started to, to maybe ask similar to this, uh, this lawyer the question, which is really a diversion, and maybe saying like, hey, Jesus, who is my neighbor? Right? Have you, have you caught yourself maybe not saying who is my neighbor, but essentially you're trying to define, okay, well, surely, Jesus, you wouldn't be asking me to or maybe wishing away this time and avoiding maybe doing what God's calling you to do right now. I don't want to miss it. 
If God has birthed me for such a time as this, which we will say and remember for generations, this point in time, I, I am sure of it. Then what has God got for you and for me in this season? And what is he trying to do through this season to extend the gospel, share the gospel, bring freedom to the captives, to, to bring the good news to those people who are, who are poor, those who are, those who are looking for it in our neighborhoods? What is he doing with you and through you right now? And, and, and maybe you're resisting, I don't know, but maybe you're pushing back and trying to navigate through this season instead of slowing up and maybe growing up. Maybe God is doing something right now to shape us and shift us to where he wants us to be so the gospel goes through and the message is clear to those around us. We talk about this neighboring really talking about this thing of love. We really have to answer what is what is true love look like in a follower of Christ. And that's why I believe Jesus says that all the law and the prophets hinge on this. First, love the Lord your God. If I'm captivated and fully in love with Jesus, then I'm not getting off track on on loving how or who I need to love because I'm just captivated by the love of God. I I won't get off track. I'm just, it's what I have to do. It's not what I have to do. It's what I want to do. It's where I am. It's where I'm at. I'm just loving. It's not a list of things to do. It's not just going through the motions. It's coming out of me, out of the overflow of loving. I think of the widow's might and Jesus looks over and he's sitting with the disciples. It's such a beautiful picture as Jesus sits there and he looks at one man who's giving out of his wealth and a widow who's sitting or standing and giving out of what she doesn't have but wants to give because she just wants to love on her God. And show her God, her heart towards him. And Jesus says, look at that. Look at that. That, that, that is true. That is pure. That is noble. And, and so that is what we're going. That's the kingdom of God. That's the effects of the kingdom of God in motion. Right there in the widow. That's the effect of God's love in us. And, and David captures this, Psalm 51. Get this. Going through the motions, the message captures it. Going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. Nothing. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart shattered lives ready for love don't for a moment escape God's notice. I mean, Has God got your heart? So I think about the contrast between these people in this story. And I think Jesus is showing a contrast of someone who's captivated by the love of God and able to move in love for others. And someone or some people who he's saying are captivated by what to do in that day. See, there's a difference. There's being in the love of God and there's doing. And I don't think God wants us to be just doing action or going through the motions. I think he wants us to be captivated, our pride to be shattered, and our love to be on and on and on all the time. 
If we don't have love for our neighbor, then we've missed it. So this series, and I want to be very clear about this series, is not about growing the church numerically. It's about the church growing in maturity. It's about us getting it, what God's calling us to. This is not an evangelistical tool for us to reach our neighbors, to get them to invite them to church. That's not it at all. It's about the love of Christ going out into our community. It's about us living out what God is doing and has done in us and letting it come out and us taking seriously this text. And so that's what I think he might be doing right now in this season is he's drawing us into an opportunity and a choice that we can make to walk into maturity and grow in this season or rush out of it. I think we have that option. And, and I don't think, you know, we're not going to be uh, wrong to, to just, you know, m- keep on moving. I think we miss out, though. And I don't want us to miss out. I don't want us to rush out of this. And it might be right, and, and other people might be wrong. I don't, I don't know about getting back or moving into reopening or whatever. And I don't want to get into that, uh, that debate but I, I know what I do want to get into, and that is, what does God want to do in me in this season, regardless? What does God want me to hear right now? You know, I, and I'm, I don't want to negate or minimize what people are going through in this season. Far from it. I am praying for, I've got friends that lost their businesses. I've got friends that have, have struggled through the sickness, and I've got uh, family members that are grieving because of this whole thing. And I've been praying for many people who are going through uh, and struggling with uh, just depression and different things. So I, I am in no way wanting to minimize it, and I don't want anyone to do that because there's a lot going on right now. What I do hope is that we take a step, all of us, and, and realize that there's a moment here where God is slowing things up, I think in hopes that we will grow up, right? And, and, I, and I, I wrote that down because I just think that, that that's what's happening is an opportunity for us to step into it and, and grow in it. And if I, if I push back or fight it, then, then I don't take that opportunity. And so I'm convinced that this is what Jesus heard when the disciple, or sorry, the, the disciple, it was the lawyer, this master or this expert in, in the law, is asking this question is he's hearing immaturity. He's hearing someone who wants to sidestep and get around this, what it is to love my neighbor. He's saying, okay, if that's what I have to do, then, hey, help me define what that is so I can just tick that box and we be done. Right? I, I know and I hear that and I'm saying I think Jesus hears that and that's why he enters into this story, into this moment, this teachable moment. He says, I'm not okay with you staying there. It's not okay with you to stay in that immaturity. Let me help you and help everybody else who's going to hear this story. Let's grow in this. Let's not stay stuck. Let's shift. Because what Jesus heard, I think, was dry religious thoughts. A step by step. Give me the steps. Give me the things to tick off. But he's saying, no. mm -mm." Right? Those dry religious thoughts are void of love for mankind which God is very much about. Which means he didn't have and was missing that, that first step of the love of God filling him and him encountering the love of God. As Jesus sat there, it meant he didn't, 
He didn't quite get what Jesus was saying. I know that I miss this often myself, so I recognize it. I see myself here. I can get excited to operate in generosity and do stuff for people. It's part of who I am. But I have to be so careful to start where Jesus did. This is who I am. This is my purpose. It begins with loving God. Love. The word love here is agape kind of love. Decided love. Not feeling love. Not phileo. But notice this is where uh, it's what really motivates the whole story that Jesus shares. The young leader wanted a quick solution and Jesus was wanting him to see genuine agape love. A decided thing that now everyone who was listening to the story would have to wrestle with a little bit. The story of the Good Samaritan made everyone in the room feel uncomfortable because the person who was loving with agape love was someone who they would have considered as scum. Someone who wouldn't do that. And the people who weren't loving like that, who were busy, were those people that were sitting there in that room. I'm convinced that God designs certain moments for us to have to face the reality that we don't know everything so that we can choose to shift and mature. Those God moments where I have to slow up might be Him helping me grow up. I might be repeating myself now, but I get a little excited. I mean that Though that is essentially what happens in this parable. Jesus describes one person willing to be inconvenienced and not caught up in what they're doing and more captivated by God and His love and then living out of that overflow. Love, once again, that maybe goes against the feelings that well up. They drive a stake in the ground that Loving your neighbor is not just ticking off the religious list. It's engaging in something that will cost you and maybe not just time. And how many times you and I have excused that doing something that, that costs us something for somebody, uh, we're not really even sure if it's even worth loving them or going the extra mile for because it's going to inconvenience us anyway. I, I, I can't. You know, I've done that. I've been there. I, I do things and I go, man, uh, maybe that's a missed opportunity to love that person because I was busy or I was just looking out beyond to my tasks. Jesus doesn't stop. He doesn't stop going after this. And the guy's question that I would love for us to ponder as Jesus laid it out in this way, that our neighbor is everyone and our neighbor. As Jesus describes this story, we get this picture that, Jesus, you're talking about everyone that we would come across because you purpose our life and every step then is ordered. And so where we find ourselves, God, then everyone that we run into, we should love. And that is uh, enabling and empowering. And it can make us freeze up because, well, if I have to love everyone... <laughs> then it's too much. And so I, my love becomes shallow because I'm trying to love everyone. But what if God literally meant love your neighbor? Then it's those that God put in our life that are constantly there that we will 
confidently and consistently love with purpose and intentionality. And it, if we take that, it has a great capacity for us to really impact our community. And so I wonder if that's what we need to do right now is just for ourselves redefine who God is calling us to love. Church, what if we took these commands and the words in the text seriously? Love your neighbor. What could happen? I get excited at the thought, and I have to remember to slow down. Remember, it's not a task. It's a heart shift from doing to being, from simply acting out in kindness to intentionally loving people that are maybe hard to initially love. But I'm convinced that I can be an ineffective follower of Jesus if I get this wrong. Actually, one of the number, way, number one ways how to be ineffective as a follower of Jesus, I believe, is just to find neighbor a way that doesn't inconvenience you, that won't cost you anything. And that way you can just very simply just go throughout life and not be inconvenienced. <laughs> Therefore, my love can, can remain shallow and, and I can just do life the way I want. Now, I would ask us as we go through this series, and I'm asking us this week to take one step. One step towards uh, being a better uh, neighbor and loving well uh, our neighbors. And you've got a card, and I would ask you to take that out or do this later. Take that card out, and you'll see these pictures uh, of a house and a house in the middle and then houses around the outside or spaces around the outside. And I would love to fill that uh, with those people who are in your neighborhood, the middle one being you, and fill in uh, who your neighbors are with their names. It's the first step to the art of neighboring if there are steps, right? Find out the name. And you might have to be inconvenienced a little. Um, I have to pause because I don't know if I shared the story or not. Yeah, did I share that in this recording or the last one? Okay, I'm going to stay still and go back to the story real quick. Inconvenienced uh, is the next thing that most of us are going to have to do. And I'll tell you real quick the story. Uh, six years we moved into our house where we live right now. We went next door with the hope to know our neighbor and get to know their name. And standing at the door with cake, because that's what my wife does really well. And she just, you know, she's got a lot of birthdays to make cakes for. So anyway, she makes the cake. We go next door. We give them cake. And out of the corner of my eye, I see something. My son in the front yard taking a poop on the yard. Now he's very young. And we were potty training at the time. But it was mortifying. It was so, I mean, embarrassing. I, I, I just lost words. I lost thoughts. I didn't know what their name was anymore. And I just wanted to get out of there. But I had to clean up the mess. And it took way too long. And it was so embarrassing. I didn't want to come back. And it took me six months to come back. And I had to say and inconvenience myself and be awkward and take that awkward moment and say, what is your name again? Yeah, I'm that neighbor that kid pooped in your yard and immediately they remembered who I was and listen 
for us to take these steps, we're probably going to have to go through awkward moments where we ask people their names. And I would just encourage you to take one step, one small step this week uh, to being a neighbor in your neighborhood that loves the way Jesus is calling us to love. And uh, it might be taking an awkward moment and finding out your neighbor's name. Either way, let's all uh, commit this week to taking one small step towards being a better neighbor. And I hope this message and these scriptures bless you this week as you uh, look over them, read through them, and, and, uh, and, and think through that question for yourself. Who is my neighbor and how am I responding to that call to love them? God bless you and have a great week, church. I look forward to us getting together soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And if you have questions or if you're desiring prayer or would like to interact with someone, across all of our platforms at 9 and 1030, we do have a pastor hosting. Um, if you're reaching us outside of those times, feel free to email the church and we'll get back to you. Yeah, and ministry here at Mannheim is still happening. All right, the staff here have been working hard at creating ministry online um, and still providing ways for our church family to be stay connected uh, to our community and with each other. And so if you want to be a part of it that way and being able to give, uh, we invite you to check out the website, and there's links there on being able to how to, to give online. Also, we invite you to check out the website. Uh, there's a link there of how can I help, and it just gives real practical ways uh, that you can uh, be available to, to help those around us and your neighbors during this time. Just to put a plug in for our family ministries, um, feel free to come back and check out Quest live on Facebook. They're going to have a story time at 1 o'clock on Sundays. And also check out Senior High Live on Monday nights and Remix Live on Wednesday nights. We hope you guys have a great week and be blessed.